Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Have you ever had a run-in with authority? Kind of, not really. Like, I'm not saying, have you done anything illegal? I've been arrested. Wow. I'm, I'm just asking, like, what's the last time you've had a run-in with authority? I've been pulled over before. Does that count? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was basically it. I've been pulled over before. And I've, I've had a ticket. Oh. In my car. We were stopped by uh, mall cops at West Edmonton Mall. World famous tourist attraction west edmonton mall uh we'd gone to a movie and i had a can of pop and i guess somebody saw me with the can of pop as we were getting into the vehicle and all of a sudden this like security vehicle pulled up behind us and two security officers came out and started grilling us whether or not we were drinking and driving and i displayed my can of sprite (laughs) and they were like oh you guys be careful Mm. they were all they were all embarrassed they... Because it was clearly nothing, but they were th- still trying to be stern and ma- like maintain face. They were hassling some teenagers about drinking soda pop. Yeah. Yeah. Weren't heavy drinkers in our teens. <laughs> Bunch of nerds that we were. Yeah. So, yeah. Otherwise, not not really. No, me neither. I I was a pretty good kid. I also was a pretty good kid. Didn't Didn't break any major laws. No. That I'm willing to admit to on a podcast. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, can't say that I've been, say, pulled in for questioning on anything. Oh, goodness, no. Yeah. The only time I've ever been to a police station was to, like, report on a traffic accident that I was part of. Yeah, ditto, basically. And half the time, like, I wasn't at fault. It was like someone had rear-ended me, and it was enough damage that I needed to go to the police station and report it. Not too many run-ins with authority. I did used to work in in news media, so that is not to say that I haven't interacted with the police. That's different. But that is different, yes. So that's that's not quite the same as being, say, pulled over and questioned, Mm -hmm. like our protagonist is in this chapter. But before we get there, a brief recap of chapter 12 of our novel, in which Tracker meets a buffalo. Yep. Goes for a dip in the river. (laughs) uh, Reconnects with Leopard who's acting real strange, and then falls out again with Leopard, who's acting real Real strange. strange. Yeah. Then decides, you know what, I've had enough of pretty much everybody except for that Ogo over there. So he and Sadogo follow a masquerade up to Basu Fumanguru's house, whereupon they conduct an investigation, and Tracker believes he may have figured out where their target is. And that leads us into chapter 13, lucky chapter 13, (laughs) of Black Leopard, Red Wolf. By Marlon James.
Chapter 13, just in time for Christmas? Yeah, sure. <laughs> should, should it have been a different chapter? No, just it's weird that 13 falls for us on our Christmas Day release date. It's, it would have actually been interesting if it had been a month or two ago, because there was a Friday the 13th in, was it October? Uh, could be. Yeah. I'd have to look at my calendar to confirm. And, but yes, we and recently release, had a Friday the 13th. Our release date is on a Friday. So if it had been Chapter 13 on Friday the 13th, the Triskin Decaphobics would have been freaking out. Yes. All, those, all those 13s. At any rate, uh, Tracker starts this chapter regretting kind of overstating the situation at the end of last chapter. <laughs> uh, because Sadogo takes him very literally and starts ripping the place apart. Like, oh, the boy's here. Oh, we gotta find him. And Tracker's like, no, 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 no. No, calm down, calm down. I don't, he's not here. I don't know exactly where he is. I know that he's about three months away, though. That Wait, is insane is that good. he knows that. He's got a very good sense of smell. Yes. Like a synesthete level perception of smell. He can, he'll... Take you to the Fruit Loops every time. Every time. Very reliable. Follow my nose. It always knows. Uh, Tracker calms down Sadogo because this is making a bit of a ruckus and explains the situation. And, and Sadogo, to his credit, is pretty satisfied with that answer. He's like, oh, okay, no, I, I get it. I understand. And, and actually seems pretty pleased that they now have a solid lead. Tracker, again, also wonders what Sogolon was looking for. It's almost kind of him dropping it in just to remind us that she had been there. And right. that he's curious what was up with that so that we don't forget because it doesn't really come back up this chapter. They decide to go leave and Sodogo's like, are we going back over the wall? And Tracker's like, why bother? <laughs> why bother? Let's go through the front door uh, because there are people here. Yeah, because he knows that there are people there. Yeah, there's no point in us trying to sneak out. Yeah. We're caught. We We are indeed. So they kind of rip through the, the thorn bush, and sure enough, uh, they are met face-to-face -face with a group of armed men. Uh, the bulk of them are dressed in blue turbans and sashes, marking them off as some manner of authority figure. Blue being the color of cops universally <laughs> throughout history. And they are led by a man in a red cape with a sword, more decorated, clearly the leader of this group. They're being held at spear and arrow point. Sadogo kind of knocks one of the bowmen down as a show of force, and everybody's like, whoa, but the, the leader is like, whoa, everybody, calm down. <laughs> Let's not get out of hand here. And there's kind of a, a brief, tense standoff. The man in red introduces himself as Mossy. He engages in a little bit of light questioning here, a little bit of banter with Tracker. Because Tracker's like, we could probably take you and your men. And Mossy's like, I have more men. Like, if you beat us, more men will be coming. Yeah. So rather than have violence here in front of this suspicious house, how about you come with me to the fort? We'll have a talk. And Tracker's like, oh, the fort? That fort over there? The dangerous fort that no one ever returns from? That fort? That fort over there? <laughs> and Mossy's like, yes, that fort. But hear me out. The walls have ears. <laughs> I'm making hand gestures that you can't see. It's true. Tracker picks up what he's laying down, and Mossy is kind of attesting that they're not being arrested. This is legit. I just want to talk to you. So rather than battle it out through the streets of Congor, Tracker and Sadogo allow themselves to be taken to the fort. And that's kind of where we smash cut to. So this is where the chapter takes a hard right turn into... A film noir-esque detective scene. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interrogation that is being described in an interrogation in the future. 
Yes, layers. <laughs> um, seriously, like they're they're doing something somewhat illegal. They get caught by the police. They get taken to the station for questioning. Yeah, this is and and the police are curious what's up because it looks suspicious. Right? Yeah, th- this is a very film noir scene. Right? It's very film noir. It's very gritty detective. I- I've referred to him in my notes as Detective Mossy. <laughs> kind of, yeah. That- that's who he is. So Mossy is described as being of lighter skin tone and that he is not from round these parts. He mm. is he is exotic and foreign. Um, in my mental image of him, I was kind of conjuring someone who is a little more Middle Eastern or Indian. Okay. What were What were you thinking? I, I honestly I wasn't sure because to hear him describe it, he kind of sounded like a white guy. No, he but, he came across as more brown than white. Yeah, but exactly, like, but not quite. Yeah. So I wasn't really sure. So yeah, maybe as opposed to uh, a black person, maybe a brown person. Well, and he straight up says he's not from around here. Well, no, like it's obvious. Yeah. Tracker is left to stew for a little while. Mossy gets himself cleaned up because they had been in their guard outfits and their skulking outfits uh to sneak up on these guys in their in their evening war paint sort of yeah like he described them as like painting their faces to match the black of the night yeah right so i imagine that they were all made up yeah <laughs> when mossy returns tracker asks basically what are we being charged for we didn't rob the place that place has already been robbed <laughs> Many and, times over. Yeah, and Mossy's like, you're not being charged with robbery, but let's just say murder is still in the air. We've been t- questioning your Sadogo friend <laughs> on the side, and he keeps confessing to murder, like, over and over and over again. He just will not stop talking about all the people he killed. And Tracker legit laughs at this and is like, dude used to work as an executioner, and he's working through some stuff. Right? <laughs> like, just just let it play out. He's got a lot to get off his chest. Tracker is in an interesting place here because, on the one hand, he's kind of irritated by Mossy. He's like, very irritated by Detective Mossy. Not offended by him, not put off by him the way that he has been by Sogolon and Leopard and Femelli, but there's something irritating about his manner. Yeah, he's just annoyed by this guy. At the same time, though, he's also super attracted to him. <laughs> Like, he languishes on the physical description. His eyes keep wandering down towards, like, his upper inner thigh. He fixates on his lush, kissable lips at one point. <laughs> like, Tracker is put off by the guy, but his exotic features, Tracker's like, yeah, I'm feeling it. Be, I'm, I'm feeling it. Could be into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I was the only one who caught that, but Tracker's really into this guy. I didn't, but I see it now. Yeah. Absolutely. So Tracker asks Mossy, what were you doing at the house? And Mossy's like, look, dude, you weren't as near as stealthy as you thought. <laughs> you and your giant right. <laughs> kind of drew attention to themselves. And that house is under watch. Like, people are paying attention to it. So, yeah, we saw you. <laughs> also, I'm the one asking the questions around here. Yeah. Tracker explains... Okay, my job is to find missing people, and that's what I was doing at the house. I'm following up on a lead there. And Mossy's like, that seems like a likely story, but nobody's missing from that house because Erwan was murdered and they were all accounted for. I counted eight bodies. An elder came from out of town named Bellican, and he assured me (laughs) that all those bodies were the people who were supposed to be there. You may have heard of him, Bellican the Big. Tracker then also asks, did Bellican ever find that writ he was looking for? And Mossy's like, hmm, writ, you say? How do you know about that thing? 
and and so the conversation kind of goes where Mossy dribbles a little bit of information and they both clearly know that the other knows something. Mm -hmm. But neither of them want to give up what they know in exchange. Yeah, nobody's ready to quite tip their hand. No, Mossy Mossy is a potential ally here is basically what this conversation is is beginning to lay out because he also suspects that there was something pretty foul at work here. Yeah. And he even suspects that there may have been another person in the house. Oh, 100%. Detective yeah. Mossy knows what's up, kind of. Yeah. Like, he knows there's more to the story that everyone has been fed, but he clearly doesn't have all the details he needs to uh, solve this case and get the captain off his back, as the gritty detective would. He has some pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And he knows that Tracker has some pieces of the puzzle. But they haven't quite reached a level of trust where they're willing to share everything. So they kind of feed each other some scraps. A little bit, yeah. And I think... Uh, Mossy realizes that he needs someone like Tracker. He needs a PI. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so it's, this is a case of, like, he clearly thinks that Tracker's the bad guy, but this is a case of letting the bad guy go because the bad guy can do something for the good guy. Right? Like, that's how Mossy sees it. Well, Mossy definitely sees value in letting Tracker go, and I guarantee that he'll be keeping an eye on Tracker from oh. that point on, because he expects Tracker might lead him to something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, Mossy not only believes that there may have been another person in the house, he even is suspicious that it wasn't men, quote-unquote, who committed the murder. Like, he's that far enough along. Oh, yeah. And he clearly does not buy the cover story of plague. <laughs> Weird river disease. Yeah, yeah. no. Mossy actually leaves at one point, returns with a doll, uh, which was found at the scene, which Tracker immediately is like, this was the boy's doll. Like, I recognize the smell. Now that I'm familiar with it, it was totally his. Tracker kind of dissembles a little bit and says, well, how do you know it wasn't one of Basu Fumanguru's kids' dolls? And Mossy explains, kids don't play with dolls in Congor. It's not really a thing we do here. Yeah, apparently the community is religious enough in a specific way that they consider playing with dolls akin to idolatry. <laughs> and Tracker is amused by this because he's like, everybody has statues everywhere. What are you talking about? And Mossy's like, people just like statues. What can I say? And it's not the same thing at all. But he found this doll there, which implies to him that there was a very young child who was not a Congor child who was in that house and is just missing. And he suspects that it has to do with what happened. Detective Mossy is a yeah. decent detective. So Tracker slips a little information back to Mossy here. And he's like, okay, well, just FYI, the elders led by Bellican the Big there, they're conducting their own investigation into this matter. Like, they're still looking into this themselves. And Mossy's legit kind of like, really? He's interested by that. <laughs> really? And he says that he and Mossy haven't been the only two snooping through Fumanguru's murder scene either. There have been plenty of people picking through that ruin. Mossy kind of pivots the conversation here and asks, I'm actually curious how you even came to be in Congor. Congor is a city <laughs> that's pretty meticulous with keeping track of who comes and goes. And we have no record of Tracker and an Ogo arriving in the city. How did you get here? And Tracker answers him honestly, sort of. He came through a door. Yeah. Yeah. Mossy finds this delightful. <laughs> he legit laughs at this and says, next time we meet up, I'll uh, be sure to ask you about that and about your weird wolf eye. And Tracker's like, oh, we're going to meet again, are we? And Mossy's like, yeah. Yeah. But this also 
implies to Tracker that that means that this conversation is wrapping up and that he's going to be let go. And Mossy indeed confirms this, again, is not an arrest. We're just having a talk. You can walk out. You and your Ogo friend are free to go whenever you want. Tracker's like, okay. And then he kind of Columbo's on his way out. Oh, listen, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. A little bit. Though he doesn't use it as a gotcha question, but he does use it as a means of maybe finally figuring out what the bigger picture is Mm -hmm. because he keeps getting told that there's a bigger picture and that he shouldn't worry his pretty little head about it. But (laughs) he's beginning to suspect that that bigger picture is wrapped up in whatever he's involved in. Oh, for sure. And so he asks, what's up with the seven wing mercenaries? Mossy is like, they're they're mustering in Congor. And Tracker's like, obviously. Well, yeah, but why? Well, because they can't muster in Fasisi, because that would be super suspicious. <laughs> and this is still not answering Tracker's question. And so Masi says, basically, the deal is they're just waiting for orders from the king, because the Mad King in the South has gone crazy again, and war's a brewing, which we kind of already knew. Yeah. Tracker and Sadogo leave, and Tracker realizes, I don't know the way back to the house from here. Can't find it in the dark. Yeah. Uh, he legitimately... Like a lot of the houses smell kind of the same. And he's like, I don't, I don't know how to get back to the house from here. So we're just going to hang out for the evening. So he sits down. It's like, Sadogo, tell me about your killings. Well, not just that. There's actually an interesting thing going on here because Tracker realizes I can't count on anyone in that house. At this juncture, he's realized that despite the fact that he is ostensibly part of a team that includes Sogolon and Leopard, he cannot rely on either of them. Nope. Sogolon is clearly running her own game because she's already been to the house and lied to him about it. Yep. And Leopard is being worm-tongued, so he's unreliable and is probably going to be gone soon. So who cares? And he doesn't know the buffalo. So, I mean, the buffalo seems nice, but buffalo is also Sogolon's creature. So Only, only met him once. It's true. And so in this moment, he realizes Sadogo is possibly the only real ally I have right now. Yeah. So maybe it's in my best interests to make friends with the dude. Yep. So he sits down with him, as you say, and is like, unburden yourself on me. Because he realizes there's going to come a time when I might need to unburden myself on him. And he will be more inclined to let me talk at him if I let him talk at me. And so for the rest of the night, Sadogo finally gets everything off his chest. Yep. To Tracker. And he laughs and cries and screams and whispers and all of those other things and just lets it all out. Yeah. And that's kind of where the chapter ends. Interesting sight that must have been. An Ogo just unloading his soul on someone in the middle of the night, in the middle of a street. Yeah. And uh, the last notation we get is that the next morning, indeed, Leopard and Fumeli are gone. Yeah. I wonder what's going to become of that. Well, if I may posit a possible answer. Mm. Um, clearly, whatever Fumeli is doing to Leopard wears off after a while. It needs to be kept up. Yes. Um, and it has worn off at least once. Yep. At some point, it's going to wear off again. Leopard's going to realize, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. What have you done? And he's going to be real upset at that boy. And that boy is a pushover and is no match for an angry Leopard. Mm, true. So... I think what I want to know is, where is that going to happen? 
Hard to say. And at what point are we going to see Leopard again? Because he's not gone out of this book forever. No. Um, there's also the possibility that there's something else at play here. Because Fumeli might not be an independent actor. He might not just be a jealous lover who's found a way to magic Leopard. So I have some uh, notes in my notes. I have some questions in my notes about Fumeli. So please continue, and we'll see if you answer any of my questions. Well, I'm beginning to suspect what if he's actually like a nefarious agent? What if he is purposefully working for someone else to mess with Leopard and keep Leopard out of the investigation? Okay, but why? And keep Leopard and Tracker apart. Why? He could be working for Nika. Oh, maybe. If Nika and Nasaka have their own game they're playing, and they have their own plan, and they want to get the money for finding this boy and screw Tracker... Nika in particular knows Tracker very well. He'd know that Tracker and Leopard are a formidable duo. He might have paid off Fumeli or even planted Fumeli to keep them apart. Maybe. That would make sense. And uh, based on what we know about Nika, I wouldn't put it past him. Me neither. Well, to be fair, everything we know about Nika, we know through Tracker's eyes. Yeah. And he did not paint Nika in a very pleasant light. True enough. We do have a biased protagonist here. Like, it is entirely possible that Fumeli is... Legit, an independent actor who's just a jealous lover and has found a way to keep Leopard all to himself. That is a possibility. But it also seems very convenient that it's happening right now and that it's happening at the expense of this job. Mm -hmm. And there's clearly bigger stakes afoot that Tracker is starting to realize is the case. And the fact that someone's meddling with the investigation from the inside, it's real suspect. Super sus. Yeah. Like, Tracker did think, clearly, B.B. Dateman is the inside guy on this. And B.B. Dateman, before he died, was like, no, Sogolon is the inside guy on this. What if Fumeli is the inside guy on this? Maybe. Hard to say. I mean, it's possible. Because the big question I have about Fumeli is, what does he want? Is he just, is he just someone who found someone he likes to sleep with and is jealously guarding him? Because if that's the case, why let Leopard come on this crazy mission at all? Why stop him from completing the investigation but not stop him from approaching Tracker in the first place? Yeah. Like, why is Leopard even on this mission if Fumeli wants him all to himself? And there's actually a flaw in my theory about him being linked up with Nika. Because Nika specifically said you should hire Tracker. Unless so, Nika's ultimate goal is to just mess with really Tracker. screw with Tracker. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Agreed. I don't know. Yeah. So, I don't know. We, yeah. My my big question is all about Fumeli's motivations, and I hope they all come to light. I assume they will. Well, again, the book is titled Black Leopard, Red Wolf. And if Leopard right. leaves the novel halfway through after having not really done much... False advertising. Yeah. he's He does not deserve to be mentioned in the title. <laughs> so, I expect we will see him again in the future. Also, this writ that... Tracker keeps bringing up. I question why they keep calling it a writ because I suspect that it is actually some kind of expose. Well, it would still be kind of a writ. Uh, yeah, kind of. The but... idea of a of a saucy expose wouldn't really exist in this time. No, place. I know. But yeah, I agree. I, I and I mean, we kind of posited this earlier too that Fumanguru must have had damning proof of the parentage or lineage of this boy. That, yes, that's most likely, yes. And we had posited that he's either the son of the king or somehow more in line for the throne than the king. Like, there's there's clearly something about this boy's heritage 
that is important enough that the king wants him dead under any circumstances and that he's a threat possibly to the elders as well. Yeah. Because they're in league with the king on this. Um, and that the writ must have something to do with it as well. Must be further proof mm-hmm. beyond just the boy himself. Yeah, that's what I mean by I, I think it's an expose. I think it's a this is what I know. And here's my proof of it and reasons and such and such and such. Indeed. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. Bit of a short chapter. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of a shorter episode, but that's okay because it's Christmas. Yeah. Go enjoy your presents and your family and the food. Yeah. We didn't really open with a happy holidays, but we will certainly drop it in now. <laughs> we can certainly close with some happy holidays. Yeah. Uh, whether you celebrate Christmas or one of the dozens of other holidays that fall at the end of the yeah, year. Hanukkah's already over. So. Yeah. Well, e- even if your holiday has come to an end... You know, happy holidays to you. Indeed. Hopefully you had a good time in spite of gestures wildly at everything. We hope you made the best of it. Indeed. Uh, we certainly will be making the best of our holidays uh, on our end. Yep. And uh, this is the last episode of the year. The final 2020 The Read Along. And the next episode will be falling right at the beginning of 2021 and getting you off on the right foot, hopefully. <laughs> Halfway through a book. Wait, what? Unless, of course, you're listening to this months later in which case never mind never mind but also <laughs> Carry happy on. new year i guess i guess <laughs> yeah retroactively indeed so uh you'll want to read up on chapter 14 in time for next week and the beginning of 2021 yes uh and in the meantime um we have many delightful sponsors here at the alberta podcast network who uh have since the inception of the network, uh, given us the ability to continue to produce this and many other podcasts for your listening pleasure, uh, we wouldn't still be here without them. And so we are delighted, as always, to take a moment to tell you a little bit about one of them. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. Park Power has low overhead, and chances are you'll save money if you switch. You can find out how much money you would save by visiting parkpower.ca and plugging your numbers into the Alberta Energy Savings Calculator. If you decide to switch, it's easy. Nothing changes about your service, only the price you pay. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Yay! (laughs) Supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network, um, you can check out many other podcasts right now by going to the Alberta Podcast Network and uh, checking out what they've got to offer. Absolutely. Yeah. AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com. Plenty of holiday listening. (laughs) So much. So much listening available to you. Uh, If you find another podcast you might like, you can certainly find it on your podcatcher of choice wherever you caught this podcast, in theory. And while you're there... Maybe give us a little rating and a review. That would definitely help us out. We'd appreciate it. Pretty please. A little Christmas present to us. <laughs> uh, if you'd like, you can also reach us on social media. We have your standard collection, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We would love to have some well-wishing. We are at the read-along on most of those. Yeah. And as I said, we would love to have some well-wishing. And yes. we will wish you well in return. Absolutely. Uh, you can also send us an email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. Have a very happy holidays. We'll see you next time. And we can finally put this year to rest. Mwah.
Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 